Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch London. For more information and resources, please go to ChristchurchLondon.org. to be reading uh, today's passages. Uh, The first is from Psalm 77, verses 1 to 12. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. And then Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your your youth is renewed like the eagles. Why don't you join me in welcoming Lars to the stage to continue our Amen series on worship. Good morning. And a Happy New Year to all of you. Aren't you supposed to say something back to me? It's such an amazing thing over here, where I come from, Denmark. You are only allowed to say Happy New Year on New Year's Eve. Over here, it seems like you can go on and say it throughout the year. So I'll just take advantage of that. Happy, Happy New Year to all of you. It's great to be back and uh, to see you all again. Um, At the moment, my wife and I, we are primarily at the South service. Um, We are still trying to figure out whether that is a promotion or if we have been expelled from the Central service. Um, But be warned, we will be back at some time. Um, And as you have heard, we have chosen to start this year uh, focusing on the theme of worship and primarily on our corporate worship when we gather for service like this. And the reason why we do it, of course, is that there is this strong conviction of the importance of doing just this. We see the centrality of this theme in the Bible, and we also have this knowledge that whoever we are or whatever church we we are, we always need to be renewed in everything that is of importance in our lives. So this is an area that we need to come back to and look at again and again as a church service. And also, um, for some of us, this is an area where we would say it's not always easy. 
There can be challenges connected to coming together and then dive into singing and worshiping and being thankful and expressing all of that. We are very different, aren't we? Um, I, I am, guess I'm one of those types who spent maybe a bit too much time reflecting a lot, thinking a lot. And sometimes worship really helps me, and sometimes, honestly, it almost feels like a disruption. And I have met people who said to me, I am more about action, and it feels like I'm just wasting my time standing there just singing. Uh, let's move on and get on to do something. And then I met other people saying to me, I'm just not such a cheerful type. It doesn't really ring with my personality, and we can go on and on. It's not always easy for us to just dive into worship. And hopefully, uh, the talks that we will have throughout uh, January and some of February will be an inspiration and a help for us. And hopefully, this talk today will be the same for us. Um, when I was preparing for this, I, I, I thought about one of my early experiences with worship. And the circumstances was, were quite extreme. I was on a trip to uh, Uganda. I was quite young, and at that time, it was in the aftermath of uh, a civic war, and it was actually still going on in different places. And I was overwhelmed by this whole uh, difference of culture and uh, circumstances of life. I came from this little, secure, safe Denmark, and coming into this setting was just a really big thing for me. And then when we left the capital, Kampala, and, and headed towards the countryside, it became even worse. Along the streets, there were literally piles of skeletons, and frequently we were stopped by teenage boys heavily armed with automatic weapons, checking our papers, and for me, this was just extremely overwhelming. And I've never felt more uh, a stranger uh, than I did at this time. And then we came after uh, hours of driving to this big banana plantation and we left the car and walked for a few meters and then we heard some singing. And as soon as I heard the singing, there was something like, I recognized something about this. Didn't recognize the words at all and the music was kind of funny, but there was something in it that I recognized. And then there was this opening in the plantation and Hundreds, maybe thousands of people were either standing or sitting on the dirt ground, totally engaged in worshiping, giving glory to Jesus. That much I realized because I recognized his name in the singing. And I had this strange experience of, of feeling at home in this place. I knew the circumstances of these people because I had been told that most of these people had lost close relatives in the civic war, all to AIDS. They had all suffered big tragedies. And yet they were standing there fully absorbed, singing praise to Jesus. And I understood it when I was standing there with them. From a distance, I probably wouldn't have. But when I was there with them, I realized what was going on here. Because at this place, in this banana plantation, there was this strong sense of the presence of God. I can't describe it otherwise. It was just such a strong sense. So it made so much sense that the right thing to do in this place is to give glory, honor, and thanks to him who was among us. And my 
emotions dramatically changed. In a banana plantation deep into the countryside of a war-ridden third world nation among people of another language in a very different culture, um, actually fearing a bit for my own life, I felt at home. Isn't that odd? I felt completely at home standing there in this situation. I felt closer to God. I felt closer to the people around me. And I even to some degree felt closer to myself. There was this sense of finding myself in this atmosphere of worship. A sense of this is my right element. And I was wondering as I was preparing for the talk today, where did that actually come from, this experience? I don't know why it came back to me. It's been years since I've been thinking about it, but now it came back to me. And I guess it's because this is probably where we come from. This seems to be the story of creation, that we come from a place of worship. Actually, we can interpret the whole story of creation in this light. That it's an overflow of love expressed in the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Colossians chapter 1, it is said of Jesus that all things were created by Him and all things were created for Him. Which basically means that we are worship. It's in the material or in the DNA of who we are as human beings. And maybe that's also why we see worship as an essential part of being human being, no matter what culture or no matter what religious background. As the philosopher J.K. Smith puts it, he says, we cannot not worship. It's simply in our DNA. So we come from a place of worship. And in the biblical story, we see that we are headed towards a place of worship. This is a dominating scenery when we see the description in the book of Revelation in the New Testament. We see Jesus in the center of it all. And then we see the heavenly beings and the earthly beings all focused on him, giving praise and glory and honor to him. And on the journey between where we come from and where we are headed, we see God instituting a culture of worship among his people. And of course, this is a really big theme. But an example of this is the institution uh, of the 24-7 worship taking place in the Old Testament temple in Jerusalem. Day and night, there was this ongoing worship led by shifts of singers and musicians singing and playing to God all the time. So we come from a place of worship. We are headed towards a place worship. And the journey between those points are signified by a calling to worship from God himself. So this is the big picture. This is the big framework for the followers of Christ. And of course, here at Christ Church London, this will be our desire too. We want to be a worshiping community of believers and people exploring faith. We want to celebrate God and the life that he has given to us. Last Sunday, Joe talked about how worship connects to the heart. And today we are going to focus on how worship connects to our 
emotions. How do we feel and how does these feelings affect our worship when we come together like this? And how does worship affect our feelings? So, how do you feel? Great, good. <laughs> it may sound like an easy question to answer, but it isn't always, is it? I mean, we ask the question all the time, don't we? How are you? I guess most of us have asked the question already a couple of times today. I guess it's like this in most cultures. And it seems to, we have made an art of it here in the UK. We kind of just spill it out. How are you? And really none of us, I guess, expect a real answer to the question. Do we? I did try once to give a real answer, and the person was quite shocked when I started to answer how I really felt. I mean, most of the time, I guess the real answer, at least for me, would be, I don't really know, or quite mixed, actually. Right? When I did my therapy training, the first exercise we were assigned with was to, was to start to learn to identify and describe emotions. And of course, this was for our own sake, but also to be able to help people do this very thing. And why was that? Well, the reason is that the therapeutic experience is that this is quite difficult for us. It's not an easy thing for us to describe what is really going on on the emotional side of us as human beings, and sometimes we need help. So how do you feel? And how, how does God feel about our feelings? How does he feel? Well, Jesus being the perfect image of God showed this to us. And it said about Jesus that he felt tired, he felt joyful, he felt frustrated, sad, fearful, lonely, and we could go on and on. Now, what does this tell us? Well, it tells us that we know where the feeling comes from. From a creational perspective, we were formed in his image, so he knows of these feelings. We have them from him. And number two, it tells us that God does not reject our feelings, but he knows them and embraces them. In the conclusion of his conversation with the Samaritan woman, Jesus talks about worship. And he says to this woman, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. This is in John 4. And the underlying question behind this conversation was this question, where do we meet with God? Where do we meet with God? And the answer of Jesus is, we meet with him in worship, but not in any kind of worship. It's the worship which happens in spirit and truth. Now, one of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is that he is the spirit of truth, the one who leads us to the truth. And we might ask the truth about what? And the story of this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman gives us a pretty good clue. Because in this story, we see that Jesus uh, leads this woman to an encounter where he first leads her to a place where she can truly see God and in the next round, truly to see herself. 
So more than anything, worship is an encounter with God. And like with any other encounters in our lives, most of us would agree that the only true encounter is the real one. Is that right? We can have thousands of friends on Facebook. We can have countless followers on Twitter. I have four on a good day, but I know some have more. We can have numerous relationships of all kinds, and we can still feel frightfully alone. We know that it has to be a true encounter to be a real one. There has to be a sense of real truth being revealed of who I am and who you are for this to be a real thing. Do you agree? So this worship encounter is happening in the truth about who God is and also in the truth of who I am. This is how I come into worship. So taking our lead from these words of Jesus and the Psalm 77 and 103, we will look at two pathways into worshiping God in spirit and truth. And while doing that, we will actually find a way of relating to all these emotions going on in our lives. So pathway number one is to focus on the truth about God. And this seems to be the primary pathway revealed to us. Just reminding us again what we heard from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And on it goes. In this psalm, as well as in as many others, we get an insight into how David managed his emotional life. We don't really know what emotional state he was in when he wrote this psalm. But it's evident that he felt a need to address his soul. To direct his focus from wherever it was to the things that he believed to be true about God. So this psalm, among other psalms, says something about who we are as human beings. Something which is special for us in all of creation. We have the ability to reflect on ourselves. And this is quite a big thing. At least if you start thinking about it. There were quite a few of the existentialistic philosophers in the last centuries. They were quite preoccupied with this. And they said, this is really what signifies a human being. That you are able to reflect on yourselves. And of course, they went completely wild. So they talked about, if you are not able to do that, you should be treated like an animal. Philosophers are a bit out there sometimes. So that was how they went on. In the therapeutic world, there's also a big focus on this, especially in positive psychology. There's been a, a unique interest in this ability of ours to reflect on ourselves. There's this fascinating thing about emotions, that they always tell us some kind of truth about ourselves. And at the same time, they frequently tell us a lie. Have you noticed? The lie being, this feeling is who I am. 
This feeling identifies me. This feeling tells the truth about how I feel about myself or God or other people or whatever it is. And most of us, we fall into this trap again and again. I'm fearful. Therefore, the truth about me is that I don't trust God. Or I'm fearful. Therefore, the truth about me is that I'm a coward. Or I'm angry. Therefore, the truth about me is that I don't really love. Or I am sad. Therefore, the truth about me is that I'm depressed. And we could go on and on. The thing is, we contain all kinds of emotions at the same time. And we do have some capacity to steward these emotions. And I guess most of us reflecting on our life would agree on the simple truth that what we cultivate is what we allow to dominate in our lives. Is that right? What we cultivate is what we allow to dominate in our lives. In other words, what we give attention to, what we allow to fill our inner horizon, that will dominate us. Now, did David suppress his true emotions by speaking to his soul like this? Probably not. More likely, it seems that he simply made a very intentional choice about which emotions in his system he wanted to cultivate. In his book on spiritual exercises, Ignatius of Loyola, one of the earlier church fathers, he writes on the importance of discerning our emotions. And we should do so, he says, by asking questions about the beginning and the middle and the end. And then he says we should ask these questions. Where does this feeling come from? And the next question would be, how does this feeling affect me? And the following question would be, where will this feeling take me if I follow it? And finally, do I really want to go there? So what does all of this mean? Well, it means that we can discern our emotions and we can make choices about our emotional life. In other words, we don't have to be hostages or victims of a specific emotion going on in our life. And for some of us, this is really great news, even today, because in a congregation like this, there will be some of us sitting here today, coming here today, overwhelmed by a specific emotion. And for some of us, we would always, or, or we would already have fallen into the thought of, maybe this is who I am. Maybe this is what really identifies me. Psalm 103 is a wonderful exercise that can help us with these things. And we can make it our own. We can use David's words or we can use our own words. Now, this is what some of us actually need to go through when we come to a service like this. Most of us would probably have many emotions going on. And the feeling of gratitude, wonder, and worship, and thanksgiving may not be on the top of the list. Therefore, it's a deliberate choice of ours to enter into the worship with a community of believers and people exploring faith. 
And in community, we together choose to cultivate these feelings of wonder, gratefulness, and joy, and faith in the belief that Jesus Christ is with us as we worship Him. Now, we do this in community, and it's the integrity of the community that counts. And honestly, sometimes we rely on the emotions of others and we follow them to go into the worship. At other times, they follow us. I remember one of my first times here at a service in Christchurch, London. We had just arrived from Denmark, and this was two and a half years ago. Uh, and uh, I still remember all of these uh, you know, challenges of having to adapt to a very strange culture and these very peculiar people. I mean, just look around. You can imagine the challenge, right? Uh, those were tough times. And, uh, you know, so many uncertain things. So coming here for one of the first services, it, it wasn't like I was just in the mood to dive into worship. But I had chosen, I want to come together with the followers of Jesus Christ, and I want to be part of the service. So I still remember I looked around in the congregation, and I simply found some of the people in the congregation totally engaged in worship. And I looked at their shining faces, and I simply chose, I'm going to follow them. I'm relying on their emotions today because I don't really have them. And then I dived into worship and had a good experience of communal worship in this very place. And of course, this also talks about our responsibility when we come together as a community. We are part of it. And our engaging in worship makes a difference, not only to ourselves, but to other people as well. It matters how I engage when we come together and worship. So what happens when we come together like this and cultivate feelings of gratefulness through thanksgiving in worship? Well, looking at the Psalms where this is displayed, it seems that we open up a door to God to do His transformative work in us. Something changes along when we start really engaging in worship like this. To put it a bit, maybe poetically, it seems that when we look at Him in the worship songs, we start to discover how He looks at us. And that discovery in itself has a strong transformative power. So the feelings of gratefulness and wonder, which may have been on the bottom of the list of my awareness, they start to overshadow and spread light, not only on God who He is, but also on myself and the community that I am part of. Are you with me so far? Yeah. All right. So... Coming to worship at a given service like this, I may not feel extremely careful, thankful, but I carry with me the feeling of gratefulness and gratitude within me, and I, together with the rest of the congregation, can choose to cultivate it. I may even feel more or less down, but I do not rely on my emotions alone. I participate in a corporate act of worship, and I'm allowed to lean on the emotions of others to follow them and let them inspire me. Now, some would argue, what about the style of worship? What about how I feel about perhaps not the content and the intent 
of the content, but the form of it. How can I gauge with integrity if I don't really agree with the style of worship? That may not be something you are wondering about, but for me, that was actually something I battled with for quite a long time. But it changed. And not because the style of worship changed in any significant way, but because of an advice given to me by a friend who was also my spiritual counselor. I don't recall if I asked him. I don't think I did. But he was one of these annoying persons who could look right through you. You know these kind of persons? You have this desire to wear sunglasses when you meet them because you don't want them to look into your soul. And he was one of those persons. And he just looked at me and then he said, Lars, the mature believer is able to seek and find God everywhere. The mature believer is able to seek and find God everywhere. It hit me hard. Um, and I just had to take it in. Immediately as he said it, I just realized this is true. So this sentence has actually followed me ever since. And it's been of tremendous help for me. So we are focusing not on the style of worship or the choice of songs. We are focusing on the essence of worship. That this is our encounter with God. And we give ourselves to Him along with the rest of the people that we are worshiping with. This is really a principle that works. I have tested it ever since in many different settings, many different parts of the world, and it works. And the mature believer is able to seek and find God everywhere. So, coming to the service to worship, engaging in it, focusing on the truth about God, this seems to be the primary pathway into worship. In Psalm 100 and verse 4, it's expressed like this, enter his gates with thanksgiving. This seems to be the primary way. But sometimes it seems almost impossible for us to start like that. And we need to realize that there's another pathway given to us. And Psalm 77 is an example of another pathway into worship, a pathway where I start by expressing, expressing the truth about how I really feel. Just listen to some of the words again. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. It's obvious that this psalmist starts a very different place than what we see in 103. He's more or less spilling out his guts, letting go of all his emotions of disappointment, anxiety, feelings of rejection, and all of that. But he's doing it in the presence of God, in an atmosphere of worship. He's meeting with God, entering into this encounter with God, telling the truth about how he feels. And it's very evident, evident that God doesn't reject those feelings of the psalmist, rather the opposite. There's an invitation to express them in his presence. 
And it's very obvious that it leads the psalmist to a very different place. So there's a very different tone when he moves on in his worship. Something transformative had happened in his life. He goes on and he sings, Then I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will rem remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. What a transformation. What a change. It's almost like Psalm 7-7 ends where Psalm 103 begins. And this is one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 77. As some of you would know, uh, as part of my yearly rhythm, I go on a retreat during the winter time, and in two weeks, I will actually be on my retreat. In the office, they don't say retreat, they say retreat, because I go to a warm place, so they are, they are thinking that I'm doing all kinds of different stuff, but I am actually going on a retreat to seek God, to go offline and to pray, to worship, to meditate, reflect, read my Bible, and so on and so forth. And some years ago, I was doing the same thing, not going to a warm place. It was in the wintertime. I was going to the northern part of Sweden. And um, I mean, Sweden is bad enough in itself, but then the northern part of Sweden in the wintertime is not really appealing, I tell you. It was like living in a deep freezer. And, and I was you know, at a stage in my life where I was quite confused and had a lot of questions uh, about things that were going on. So I wasn't in the mood at all to dive into any kind of worship. And then I bumped into this psalm, Psalm 77. And I felt like, yeah, I am not alone in this world. I have found a friend, a soulmate. This is exactly how I feel. But more than finding a friend, I found a principle. I found a pathway into worship. Worship that sometimes this is where I have to start. And sometimes this is really the right thing to do. I need to start telling the truth in the presence of God as to how I feel. So sometimes this is how we come when we come to a service like this. Not in a Psalm 103 mode, but in a Psalm 77 mode. And what would be the kind of exercise that we would need to take on to engage in worship? Well, it might look like this. Just a silent little prayer in the beginning of the worship. Maybe when the music starts playing. And it could be like this, God, I'm really not as grateful as I would like to be. I'm really not as cheerful as I would like to be. I really don't feel like worshiping you, but... I will worship today together with the community of the believers. This is a different pathway, right? Can I have the band come up, please? I would like to conclude this talk on just reminding us what Jesus said about worship to the Samaritan woman. He said that his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And my last, my last headline for today is very simply, we need the Holy Spirit. It is as simple as that. We need the Holy Spirit. As in everything else, in worship, we really need the Holy Spirit. Without Him, we don't really get to know the truth about God. 
And I even believe that without the Holy Spirit, we don't really get to know the truth about ourselves. We have some clue, we have some idea, but there's a lot of stuff going on where we actually need help to find out what is really going on on the inside. And some of my major experiences with worship has actually been experiences of the Holy Spirit revealing stuff going on on the emotional side of me as I was worshiping God. So not only shining light on God, but also shining light on my own life to make it a true encounter between God and myself, a real encounter. So why don't we stand and why don't we pray? Pray that the Holy Spirit will touch us once again And pray that He will lead us into worship. He is the spirit of worship. You could just start playing. So loving Father, we are standing here in your presence this morning. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you will anoint our inner eyes so, they, so that we may see the loving Father. See his eyes looking at us this morning with joy, with gratefulness, and love. Jesus, thank you that you are in this room with us right now. You who are our Savior, our brother and friend. Jesus, we love you and we adore you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in this room with us today. And you are working on our hearts today. You are leading us into true worship. And we express our desire to have true encounter with God. To be a community of believers and people exploring faith. Worshipping in spirit and truth. For those of us battling with strong emotions, taking away our focus of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your divine intervention right now. Opening up the door to our emotional life to see the variety of rich emotions present there. Things that you allow us and help us to cultivate. Of joy, thanksgiving. I thank you. Thank you for the joy already being there. And I thank you that... For some of us standing here right now, there will be a miracle of joy. You breaking in, Holy Spirit, and break some of those long ongoing emotions of sadness, anxiety, stealing away the joy. You're breaking in right now, Holy Spirit, and you connect us with the joy which is already present there. I thank you. Spirit of joy, come upon us. Spirit of worship, come upon us. Spirit of truth, Come upon us, we pray, as we worship and give you glory and honor.
Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit ChristChurchLondon.org.